I want you to turn me in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 37. This is probably one of the most favorite, one of my most favorite stories in Scripture. And while you're turning there, why don't you stand to your feet in honor of God's word as we read it today? It's such a powerful story in the Bible, and if you've never read it, I pray today that it enlightens you, and I pray that even if you have read it, that God will reveal something fresh to you that you've yet to see. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1. I'm just going to read a portion of it, then we're going to break more of it down. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. Prophesy to the bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I want to preach to you today from the title, Don't Hold Your Breath. Don't hold your breath. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for every person that is standing in this room or that is watching from the other side of a screen. God, you know right where we are in our situation, in our life, in our marriage. You know right where we are in our addiction. You know right where we are in our hopelessness. And in the midst of all that, God, you see us and you have compassion for us and you're with us. You have not left us. You've not forsaken us. And so, God, I pray today, Lord, that as, as I have the opportunity to preach your word, I pray today, Lord, that people will be set free, that they will experience your peace, that they will experience your joy, that they will experience a refreshing in you, Jesus. That whatever situation they may be facing, whatever doorways that they've walked into that they don't know how to get out of, I pray today, God, that they will experience you, that they will encounter you, that you would refresh us from the inside out today, God. We don't want to leave here the same way we came in. Change us, Jesus. Reveal yourself to us in a way that we maybe have never seen. We love you, God. We thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are a good God. We thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that you are our provider. We thank you that we can find hope in you. So, Lord, speak to us today. We pray that you would have your will in our lives and have it your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen. Give someone a hug before you take a seat. Get those endorphins going. All the very introverted people just freaked out for a moment. 
Have you ever found yourself or ever been in a time in your situation where your surroundings, the things that were going on around you did not look like anything God had spoken? I can't tell you how many times in my life I have found myself in situations where my surroundings looked nothing like what God's promises said. No matter where I turned, no matter what I did, it felt like everything wasn't looking any better. Nothing was changing. And I've come to understand in my life how powerful our surroundings are and what is surrounding us. As we review this passage of Scripture, it is a powerful case study concerning the power of surroundings in our lives. And you see, our surroundings either affect us or we affect our surroundings depending on our perspective. And it's quite the contrast in this passage as we look at Ezekiel chapter 37 between what God says he's able to do and what Ezekiel sees in his current situation. Surroundings are powerful. So powerful that retailers study. They study the patterns of our buying behaviors and they look at the psychology to even understand what colors they need to put in their store to make you spend more money. They, they know what, what scents to put through the ventilation system to make you feel good, to want to spend more money. Some of you are like, yes, that just happened about 45 days ago. Christmas, still paying off them credit cards. They even know what music to pump, what BPM, that's the tempo of the music, by the way, and how loud in order for you to spend more money. They know exactly what it takes because they understand the power of Surroundings. And surroundings are so powerful because they will begin to change you. They begin to alter you and what you see in your perspective. And what I've come to understand in my own life is how important my surroundings are and what and even who is around me. How organized things are around me, I've come to understand, determines how clear my head is to think. How clear my head is to, to lead and to be a, a better father, to be a better husband. You know, I will find myself, this is crazy, and I hope I'm not the only one in here. I will find myself, before I can cook any meal in my house, I will find myself cleaning the entire kitchen. All dishes have to be out of the sink. The countertops have to be wiped down. All the items that I'm about to cook got to be spread out in order, in an orderly fashion before I ever pick up a knife. Anybody with me on that one? Like, you got yes, amen, I'm not crazy. Thank you, Jesus. Because I can't think clearly with all that mess all over the counter. It's too much stuff. I'm looking for a plate and it's in the sink and it ain't even clean. I got to get it clean. It's got to be right. Everything's got to be at least in the dishwasher. I've even come to understand before I can be productive in the day, I have to learn. I've had to come to understand that I've got to control a little bit of my surroundings. And I'm constantly making adjustments to, to what is around me, to who is around me. Because what my surroundings are or who they are will determine my perspective. It determines my posture. It determines even my position on life. It determines how I feel. It begins to determine how I think and how I act, how I respond in situations, how I respond to certain people. It begins to determine how I lead. It determines how I pray. It begins to determine how I even pastor. Because surroundings are powerful. That's why the saying that your mom always told you when you were growing up, what is the famous saying she ever told you? You are who you hang around. 
Some of you are like, yes, my mother just told me that. In other words, who you surround yourself with is who you will become. I bet you if I were to look at your interactions on social media or in person or look through your favorite contact list of the people you talk to the most, I believe if I were to look at them, I could tell you your life. Because who you are and who you hang around is who you become. I don't care how strong of a Christian you think you are. If you hang around the wrong people all the time, you will get infected. I don't care how good you think you are with determining being around negativity. You think you're going to help someone. It don't matter how good you are, how clear headed you are. It's not going to help you. It's going to change you. I've learned it's hard to be an eagle when you're surrounded by chickens. Now, I'm not saying people are higher or lower than other people, but what I am saying is there's just some people who aren't going where you're going. And you can either allow them to pull you down and make yourself, when you're called to be an eagle, think like a chicken. We can't fly. You can't, you can't fly up there. What are you talking about? You can't go to college. Nobody in your family went to college. You, you, you think you're going to have a successful marriage? Your parents divorced after seven years. You're not going to have a successful marriage. You, you think you can be a father when you didn't have a father? Who do you think you are? Who is kidding who? And you can either allow people to pull you down or you can find the right people who will pull you up. Surroundings are powerful. In this story, Ezekiel is surrounded by this apocalyptic vision. He's surrounded by decomposing bodies and he's He's transported, not physically, but it says in his spirit or, or, or mentally, he was set in the middle of a valley. What he sees around him is, is death, not, but not only death, he sees decomposing, rotten corpses. You see, this is a drastic uh, difference in, in contrast from what he sees in Ezekiel chapter 36, right before we just read what we did in Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel sees a completely different vision from the Lord, and he saw life. He saw hope. He saw restoration. He saw a renewal. In Ezekiel 36, verse 33, it says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. This is right before the chapter, right before he finds himself sitting in a valley. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. On this day, I cleanse you from all your sins. I will resettle your towns, and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say this land was laid waste, has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. And immediately after seeing this prophecy about the Garden of Eden, Ezekiel gets placed in a surrounding that looks nothing like what was just prophesied. Nothing like what God said. And in a moment, he's staring at the garden, but in another moment, he's looking at a graveyard. Life is like this, isn't it? You go from situations where you see the pulsating possibility of the power of God and you see God moving all around into situations where you're faced with the reality of your current context that contradicts everything that God just spoke. I notice that God gives Ezekiel some pretty specific instructions and a strategy. And I want to point it out because this is God's strategy for your life today. 
And I want to declare that you will see dead things come to life by the power of God. You will see that in your life. You will see that in your marriage. You can see that in your kids. You can see that in your addiction. How many of you believe that you can see the goodness and the faithfulness of an almighty God? I don't believe you're convinced of what just was said. You will see dead things come to life. God's word says it. And God is telling Ezekiel to build a bridge from the graveyards that he's surrounded in to the gardens by the power of his words. I want you to think about that for a moment. I bet you. While Ezekiel was sitting in a valley of these very dry bones, he felt pretty stupid saying stuff to bones and dead surroundings. He probably felt pretty dumb talking to say these things to a situation that was deader than dead. Sometimes you have to stop talking about what you see and start talking to what you see. And here's our problem. We spend way too much time talking about what is around us versus talking around to what is around us. We like to talk about it. We don't ever talk to it. The question that we must all ask ourselves is, are we going to change our surroundings or are we going to allow our surroundings to change us? I think that's a very great question to ask ourselves in the world we're living in today. This is the decision we, want, we must make in the Valley of Dry Bones. Because the reality is all of us are surrounded by something. All of us are surrounded by some stuff that's not working right in our life right now. All of us got things in our life that aren't coming together like we like them to. Don't fool anybody. You can't fool anybody. I don't care how good your Instagram looks. You got things going on that ain't right. You can make your life look perfect, but that don't mean it's right. And God began to ask Ezekiel about these bones. He began to ask him some questions. He said, are these bones dry? He goes, yes, Lord, they're very dry. Are they dead, Ezekiel? Yes, Lord, they deader than dead, like they gone. This does not look like a place that I want to be. In Ezekiel 37, chapter 4, he, he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? The question here isn't, can God make these dry bones live again? That's not the question. The question is, can these dead bones live again? There's a difference. Most of us have a belief that, that God can do big things, but a lot of us have a hard time believing that God can do something through something as small as us. It's not God that we doubt most of the time. It's these bones. It's this, it's this thing right here. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live again? God was wanting the reason why God was asking Ezekiel this question is not because God didn't know the answer to the question. He wanted to see where Ezekiel's faith level was. Can these bones live again? God asked Ezekiel didn't know, but he was obedient. He said, I don't know, but you do. And sometimes you've got to speak to things that are not as though they were. And you got to learn to speak to things, even though when you don't feel like it, even though when the surroundings don't look like they're positive. Some of us need to stop describing our problems to God and start declaring our promises to our problems. I think we do a lot of a lot of good. Talking about the problem to God versus talking about our promise to the problem. And as long as you're describing your problem, nothing's going to change in your life. 
Some of y'all do a really good job of this on social media. We, we like to describe our problems. We like to talk about our problems. We like to tell our problems that, that they're bigger than our God sometimes. We may not say it like that, but we do. And I believe that God is trying to tell someone today, until you start declaring my promises to your problems, your surroundings are going to continue to look like a graveyard. And it's time that we stop talking about it and start talking to it. We need to start declaring the promises of God, even though what you see looks dead and dry. Even though what you see looks like a drought, even though what you see is the rain ain't coming, but you better go look again. No, I said, go look again. No, I said, go look again because I know it's coming. Nope, I said, go look seven times. He told his servant, go look for that cloud. Sometimes you've got to speak to things even though you don't see it and even though you don't feel it. I'm not saying be, be ignorant to the fact that it's like sometimes we can, we can speak things into our life. We're like, we're sitting over here puking our brains out over the toilet. And we're like, I'm not sick. No, yes, you are. I'm not saying this name it and claim it because there's a process that has to go before you claim it. We like, don't be, let me just say this. Don't be, quick, don't be quick to claim what you're not willing to work for. I'm not saying that you speak to things and look ignorant to say, I'm not sick when you're puking up, but you can say, God, you are my healer. There's a difference to declaring his promise that God, you, your stripes on your back, you bore them for my healing. And I declare that I am no longer going to be sick. You don't just sit and go, I'm not sick. When you're walking in with your marriage about to see the most breakage you've ever seen, you don't go, my marriage is great because no, it ain't. You can actually mess yourself up mentally. Psych psychologists will tell you, you can actually mess up some of the hormones and things in your brain by speaking to things that are completely not true. Now, that's not what I'm saying today, but sometimes we have to learn to just speak God's promises when we don't see it. In Ezekiel 37, verse 5, he says this, Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. Now, I want you to look at how detailed God gets. And he says, I will lay sinews upon you and I will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. You see, I believe that some of us need to start being more detailed and more specific when we pray or prophesy the will of God over our life, that you need to start giving specific instructions to the things that don't line up with God's word. I can tell you, and I've, I've mentioned this before, but even before I walk out on this stage to preach the word of God, I get really, really specific in my prayer. I don't just pray, God, let the sermon be great, let people be touched in Jesus' name, amen. No, I literally pray over myself. How many have ever heard me talk about the prayer I do that I've ever done? Okay, we're going to talk about it. I'll tell you. I literally walk out. I get so specific that I'm like, God, I pray Lord, that you would anoint my eyes. God, let me see the hurting and the broken today. Let me see those who are lost and who are far from you. Let me see them with your eyes, Jesus. God, I pray for my ears. I start praying for everybody part, y'all. I'm not even kidding. God, I pray for my ears. Let me hear your voice today, God. Let you speak so loud that, so loud that I hear nothing else but your words. God, I pray that you would anoint my lips and my mouth, that every word that comes out would be words of life and words of hope and words of salvation and words of greatness and, and, and grace, I mean. God, I pray that people would receive your salvation through these very lips. God, I pray. I even pray for my nostrils. My brother makes fun of me, but I pray for my nose, y'all. 
God, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint my nostrils, that I would sense your presence like never before, that, that I would breathe in the breath of life through my nostrils, that your presence would become so thick that it would be the very oxygen that I breathe. I get specific when I pray. And then I pray for you, and I get specific. Some of you need to learn to get a little bit more specific when you pray. Stop praying these casual prayers and start praying specific for what you need. Because watch what happens when Ezekiel begins to do this. He started speaking to things before he sees it. So he said, verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded. He, he didn't see the picture yet, but he realized he had the power. And you see, something I've learned is this. When you release God's power, you will begin to see his promise. When you release God's breath in your life, you will begin to see his power work out in your life. Stop waiting for the time when you will see the promise before you announce his power. You have to release it before God will reveal it. You've got to release it before God can reveal it. And he said, and as I prophesied, when he, when he did and said what God told him to say, it says that he heard a noise. He didn't, he, he didn't see a sight yet, but he heard a noise. And you see, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you wait for what you see, you're going to always walk by sight and not by faith. But if you go off what you hear, the Bible says he began to hear a sound. He began to hear a rattling. And I pray that whatever is rattling you right now, that when you pray, you're going to hear a rattling and you're going to begin to rattle it. That you're going to hear a sound. It says there was a sound. And behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And my prayer is that I preach so hard that the things in your life begin to come together today. I pray that everything that isn't in alignment with God's word would begin to come together in your life by the power of the name of Jesus. I hope that you'll start looking at your surroundings and start changing what you say about your surroundings until your surroundings start to reflect what God said. I love what he says in verse 8. He says, And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had came upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Ezekiel notices something. He says, Something's not right here. They look better than when I got here, but something still ain't right. Just because things look better doesn't mean they really are. Just because you look successful doesn't mean you really are. Just because you look happy doesn't mean you really are. Just because you tucked it, painted it, Botoxed it, tanned it, or even filled it, and I'm not talking about being filled with the Spirit either, doesn't mean it's any better. The Bible said that flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but it said there was no breath in them. You see, this right here is the thing that I want to talk about today. This is the part that sticks out to me. This is the part that I really want to preach about because it's the very thing that I believe is missing in your life. This is why your life can look so Christian, and this is why your life can look so put together, but something can be still missing. And it's what God said to Ezekiel in this text. Then he said to me, verse 9, prophesy to the breath. I want everyone right now, just for a moment, everyone to take a big, deep breath in. Take a deep breath in. Let it out. Let's do another one. Breathe in through your nose real slow. One, two, three, breathe in. 
be that real slow. Some of you are like, please don't let me do that again because the person next to me needs a tic-tac. What God was saying in this passage was, my people are out of breath. I believe God is saying to us, my church is out of breath and they can't do what I need them to do because they're out of breath. We've been through a lot these past few years. Some of us, our breath has been taken away. He said, my church looks assembled. They look put together. People are showing up. They have skin on them, but they don't have my breath in them. So he said, I want you to prophesy and declare the word of the Lord to breath. You see, I believe this is the perfect picture of worship. This, this, this whole part is the perfect picture of worship, and I believe that because the Hebrew word for breath is ruah. Ruah. Now that word translated in English both means breath and spirit. It's the same word. There's no distinction. Breath and spirit. So when God breathed into Adam, the very first man, he breathed the breath of life into him. And when he breathed in him, he, his spirit came alive in that man. He was formed from the ground. He, he had been formed from the ground, but he filled the man with his breath. I believe some of you today, you're formed. You've got designer clothes on, but you're just a skeleton. You've got the Christian lingo and the, the Christian movements down, but your soul is empty. You know the right things to say, but it comes from an emptiness, not from a place that's alive with the breath of God. So then he said to me, verse 9, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. You know, that word prophecy doesn't mean to speak just things like, you know, when some of us hear that word prophecy, like, oh, that person prophesied. Prophesy, the, the word prophecy literally means to pray the will of God. It's speaking God's will out. It's not foretelling like some fortune teller. It's speaking the will of God. There's a difference. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain. Breathe on these Dead dreams, breathe on these dying aspirations, breathe on these dead hopes, breathe on these, God, that they may live. And I feel that God has sent me on an assignment today to tell you, don't hold your breath. Don't tell your neighbor today, don't hold your breath. Some of you have been speaking to your situation and maybe you've even prophesied over it, but something still ain't right. It looks like it's kind of together, but something is still missing. And I'm here to tell you today to prophesy to the breath and call it from the four winds. Some of you need to know today that the things that were dead, the things that look beyond repair, the things that look so far gone, dead and dry, can be restored and repaired by the power of your breath by his spirit. But some of us need to have faith to believe and speak to things that are not as though they were to speak to the breath of God to come into our situation. 
You see, the devil wants to try to, to take your breath out. He's trying to take your breath away. He wants to try to hit you so hard with these situations in your life that, that, that you, you are, you're spending the whole life just <clears throat> gasping for air. You're wondering why this, this isn't working anymore, and you wonder why all these things are not falling in, in the line with, with what God's Word is saying, and I believe that God brought you to church this weekend again so that way you could breathe again. So you can breathe in His Spirit and breathe out His Word. God wants you to breathe. He wants to breathe life into your lungs today. He wants to, to breathe His Spirit into you to make you alive. You see, the devil knows that if he could ever get you to stop making a sound, that you'll be powerful. That if you'll never make the, the, the sound that you were intended to make, that you can stop him from his plan. He knows that if, if you can catch your breath, that God is breathing on you, he knows that you'll be unstoppable. He knows it. So he's trying to hit you and he's trying to rob from you. He's trying to steal joy from you. He's trying to take out your marriage. He's trying to take out your kids. He's trying to take the breath from out of you so you cannot offer it back to the very person who breathed it into you. He knows that there's something in your life that if he can keep you from making the sound, then you will not be able to fulfill your purpose on this earth. That's why he's fighting your marriage like he is. That's why he's fighting your kids. That's why your life is under attack because he's trying to take your breath away. Because without breath, there is no life. Without his spirit, we are lifeless. Verse 10 goes on to say, so I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them and they lived and they stood on their feet in exceedingly great army. God breathed out so you could breathe in. This is why it says in Acts chapter 1 when the disciples were asking Jesus when he was going to be coming back into the world so that way he could come fix all the things. God, you see all the problems. When are you going to come back? This is why it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 7, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, don't hold your breath for me to come back. Some of us are like, well, I'm just waiting on God to get back and he'll fix it all. No, he sent you. He already came. He's going to come back. But when he comes back, he's going to take us with us, with him. He, he sent you. Stop holding your breath for Jesus to come back and fix it all. He sent you. He breathed life into you so you can breathe life into the earth. He said, because I go to prepare a place for you and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Did you catch that? When, when my breath comes on you, you will receive power, his word said. And some of you are dying today because you're not breathing. And you've been holding your breath for too long. When worship comes around, you're holding your breath. Fitness trainers will tell you when you're, when you're pushing things, when you're in the most difficult tension moment, you don't hold your breath. You breathe out. I, I used to do that all the time because I thought it made me stronger. I thought I could lift more weight by... And I'm trying to push out and I, I was restraining myself. But when I finally learned to exhale while I'm pushing, I began to be able to carry more. And I think sometimes we wonder why when we speak to our situation, why, why nothing is changing. And maybe it's because we're holding our breath. 
You come into church every week. God breathes out on his people. Suck it in. Then we go home during the week and we read our Bible and God breathes out his word and we suck in some more. We go on YouTube and we watch a sermon and we listen to a podcast and we read, God breathes out and we suck it. Walking around like this, like we all puffed up, full of all this stuff. Got all the religious lingo. But really everything's falling apart in our life. We're sitting in here in frustration because we're coming to church. We're attending a small group. We're doing all the things. We've been listening to sermons and podcasts and we're reading our Bible and still nothing is changing. And God is saying, how long are you going to live like this? How long are you going to hold your breath? Don't hold your breath. I put it in you so you can breathe. I put my breath in you to make you alive so you can breathe. Psalms 150 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. If you've got breath in your lungs, it is our purpose to praise the God Almighty. And here's the word for some of you today is to know this, that in your situation, it's not over yet. That it, it can live again. It can live again. You can live again. Your marriage, guess what? It can live again. Your joy and your peace, guess what? It can live again. God is saying, I'm going to turn your situation that looks dead and I'm going to breathe life into it and you're going to speak it into existence. And why don't we just take the next few moments to release a praise and pour out our breath to Him today. Come on, why don't we stand to our feet and worship Jesus for just a moment. Let's pour out our breath to Him. Come on. Come on. study the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is the lowest place in the entire world. It's the lowest elevation. The Dead Sea, nothing can live in. It's, 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 it has all of these oceans and rivers and things that pour into it, but it has no outlet. So therefore, it cannot, nothing can live because it only takes in and never gives out. I believe that we have to learn, otherwise our life is going to be like the Dead Sea. We'll take it all in. 
we'll hear a good word, we'll read our Bible, we'll pray, we'll do all the Christian things that we're supposed to do. But if we never let out, our life will look like the Dead Sea where nothing can be alive with it. Maybe some of you are here today and maybe you've never had the opportunity to breathe in the breath of life that Jesus has come to offer us. Maybe today you've come to the realization that in order for you to live life to your fullest, need to breathe and have the breath of God on the inside of you. With every eye closed in this room, let me tell you, friend, the best thing that you can do is breathe in the breath of salvation today. To, to accept Jesus as Lord and leader of your life because he wants to make all things new in your life. He came so that you could have life and that life to the full, John 10, 10 says. And you have an enemy that is out there trying to steal, kill, and destroy your life. But Jesus said, I've come that you may have life. He wants to breathe the breath of life into you. And the greatest thing is we, don't, we can't earn this salvation. We can't earn this breath. He offers it freely. Even in our mess, even in our dysfunction, even in all of our mistakes, he still offers the breath of life to you. He says, come to me all who are weary and burdened. And I'll give you rest. Maybe your life is in chaos and you need rest today. Allow God to breathe the breath of life in you today. And if you're here in this room or you're watching from the other side of a screen right now, every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, I need the breath of salvation. I need the breath of life. I need to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. I need him in my life today. That I want to turn my life around. My life is not where I'd like for it to be. I'm facing situations and I've been trying to do it all on my own and I need God. I need him in my life. I want him to lead me. I want him to guide me. I want him to instruct my path because his ways are higher than my ways, the Bible says. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts, his word says. He knows the, the end from the beginning. And he has a purpose for your life. And if that's you today and you want to accept Jesus Christ, maybe for the first time or you, maybe you've walked away from God. You've lost your breath. Maybe you've been holding your breath. Today it's time to breathe out the breath of salvation. Allow Jesus to fill our hearts today. If that's you in this room or on, on the other side of a screen right now with every eye closed, I'm going to count down from three. When I count down, I want you, if that's you today, I want you to lift up your hand if you want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life for the very first time or maybe to rededicate your life today. If you've walked away and you need a, re a renewing in your faith. If that's you, three, two, one, just lift it up, lift it up, lift it up. I see it, I see it, I see it. Thank you, Jesus. Lift them high, lift them high. I see those hands, I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Lift them up, lift them up, lift them up. Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands, I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Don't let this moment pass you by. This is a moment between you and God. Let him breathe in you life and life to the full. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody to put their hands down. I want us to pray this prayer out loud. Romans 10, 9 says that if we confess with our mouth and we believe the Lord Jesus and he was raised from the dead, it says that we will be saved. So let's pray this prayer out loud together where our ears can hear us. 
Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Help me to live a new life in you. God, I accept you as Lord and leader of my life. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. Today I ask that you would forgive me of all my sin and help me to live a new life in you. Today, I put my hope in you. I put my faith in you. And I receive your breath of salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone shout a big amen. Come on, why don't we celebrate church with every single person that just made their life and handed it over to Jesus.